0: Well, I don't know if anybody's noticed that it's cold outside. (laughs) It just so happens that the Lord uh, laid on my heart and mind to use as as an example tonight for where we're going in the scripture, the thought of climbing Mount Everest. (laughs) So I think that's kind of funny. It's kind of in his sense of humor in it to go and so that you feel like this is a real thing I'm gonna make it super cold in Oklahoma when we've had a really mild winter and of all things tonight we're going to talk about Mount Everest <laughs> so this might be a little nerdy for some of you I don't know but I like documentaries and um, I just find it interesting to really delve deep into something that ordinarily I wouldn't probably do on my own and, and get into the nitty-gritty of some of the details without me having to do it myself. <laughs> and so, and I watch documentaries and I have watched several across the years about people climbing Mount Everest. And I'm, a couple of things that I've picked out that I want to point out to you. The reason we're going here is because we're going to talk about two birds tonight. This is a simple message. We're going to talk about rise and shine. Rise and shine. And so rise means to ascend. It means to climb or walk like to the summit of a mountain. And Mount Everest is the largest mountain in the world. So it makes sense that we would focus there. If you were going to plan to hike up, the to the top of Mount Everest, it would take not hours or days or weeks or months, it would take many months. Approximately nine months to a year to plan for that trip, to get yourself in the condition that you needed to be, to educate yourself on the equipment that you would have to use to um, gather all the supplies to save the money because do you know how much it costs to take an expedition from the bottom to the top? $50,000 is an average, $50,000. The first thing that you have to purchase to even step foot at the base of the mountain is a permit from Nepal, which costs $11,000 just to be at the base of the mountain. It's not a guarantee you're going to make it to the top. If you want to stand there, you pay the $11,000 to buy the permit. (laughs) In addition, if you've ever seen much about Everest, you know it is not an easy journey. It is a very difficult, challenging, life-threatening undertaking. And so most people, if they're very smart, hire a guide or what's called a Sherpa, who is someone that's from that country, that is used to the weather, that knows the signs and what to watch for, that understands how quickly conditions can change, and they're like the safeguard person that goes with you. You pay them, again, an average of twenty dollars to $25,000 to make this trip with you because they're risking their lives as well, right? It's not just your life at stake, but if they are watching out for you, there's a... And so it's costly to get a good guide, but my goodness, how worth it would that be to have that beside you, yes? And you can set your own path if you want. You can just go, oh, this looks like a good place. I'll just kind of meander up here and I'll get there. Or you can follow the paths that have been laid out by expert hikers and climbers who know what they're doing and know how to pick the safest routes and avoid the pitfalls that someone novice might find themselves in if they didn't stay on the path. And so if you follow this path, you'll find that there is a huge, like when I say huge, I mean like this big around cable, steel cable that goes all the way up this path. And the hikers uh, wear a harness system with a, a big carabiner on the front of it that they attach to this uh, steel cable. That way, if they slip on the ice, if they fall down, if um, they get tempted to veer a little too far to the left or the right, this cable is stationary right there, and it holds them in place. If they fall, they can get back up. They didn't go over the edge. They may fall down, but somebody can help lift them back up, and they can continue on their journey. One other thing. Is that there is a very short good weather window to do this in. The average temperature at the summit of Mount Everest during the winter is 32 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. (laughs) That's cold. (laughs) And so there is a small window of a few weeks where the weather is really conducive for people to successfully be able to do this. What that causes is literal traffic jams on the trail, literally and um, I have seen pictures of hundreds of people stacked up just person to person to person, taking a step at a time up this path, hooked to this table because you can't go around people. And there are people that are up there that have to come back down so there's room for you to get up there. I mean, it is a well-orchestrated little dance uh, that any misstep could cause something tragic to occur. And so there are literal traffic jams. Now, I've been in traffic jams, but never like that. <laughs> Not sure I want to be, but um, I can't imagine that. There is a portion of this climb that is called, it's at the top, and it's called um, the, the death. Uh, I, the last word's leaving me at the moment, but there, it's a two-word thing. It's called, it's the place of death. Because everyone that, that ascends Mount Everest knows once you get to that elevation, you have exactly this many minutes. To make your journey from that point to the top and come back down. If you linger, your oxygen that you have carried with you is not going to last long enough to get you down far enough to be able to breathe on your own and you're going to have a crisis. So the point in all that is everything about it is so meticulously calculated and figured out and uh, thought through. and It just takes such a time. It's not something that you would say, oh, I think I'll just go do that next month. That sounds fun. It won't happen that way. It takes a lot of planning and preparation. I'm telling you all that for a reason. (laughs) Psalms 120 to 134, those chapters are known as the Psalms of ascent, of a climb upward to a destination. And while um, I was studying in those chapters specifically, God pointed out to me that these songs are traveling songs. They're pilgrim songs sung by Jews, many of whom may live in the countryside or in smaller villages that are traveling up to Jerusalem for festivals or for their visit to the temple. Or their sacrifice all kinds of reasons they would make that trip they would sing these songs on the way these songs were also sung on the steps of the temple by the Levites the Levites were like the official singers <laughs> and they would lead people into worship or help them focus into worship as people entered the temple and they would sing them on the steps and the steps would lead to the inner courts and what do we know about songs of thanksgiving and praise? They lead us into the courts of praise at the temple. These songs were sung in remembrance of four things. Who God is, what he has done, Miriam's song, it's a perfect example of a, what a song of ascent would be, This is what the Lord has done for us and we're going to praise and celebrate and sing about it. They might be songs asking, Lord, we need you to do this for us. You did this in the past and this is our need today. Would you provide? And the fourth thing is they would sing about what he would do in the future because of the promises that he had already made to them. They might not see it yet but they had it in They knew it would come to pass because he had already said he would do so in his promises. I wanna read uh, Psalms 132 to you. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. This is a song between King David and God. They go back and forth. David speaks first and praises the Lord for the things that he has done and then presents his requests. Then the Lord answers back in this song with the request granted and how he's going to carry that out. Songs of Ascent. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. That's my guess. We found it in the fields of Ja'ar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. And the Lord answers. The Lord swore to David an oath from which he will not turn from. One of the sons of your body, I will set on the throne. And we know that he does that. When David's reign was over, King Solomon became the next king. That was David's son. Verse 12, if your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on the throne. And we'll come back to that in a minute. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place this is the Lord talking to David. this is my resting place forever here I will dwell for I have desired it I will abundantly bless her with provisions I will satisfy her poor with bread her priests I will clothe with salvation and her saints will shout for joy that's exactly what David asked just a few verses ago and God is answering there I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. So we're on a spiritual journey. You may be on a journey headed towards the Lord. You may be on a journey headed away from the Lord. You may be at a base camp part way up the summit, resting. But we're all on a journey. We're somewhere. Jesus paid the full price for our permit. It's paid in full. We don't have to stand and ask anybody to give us permission to enter relationship with God. We don't have to measure up to someone's standards of whether we're qualified To be in his presence, Jesus paid the price, and it's covered. The Holy Spirit is our Sherpa. He's our guide. He's our one that is sent to walk beside us, to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us in his wisdom and knowledge that we don't possess or attain. He is our guide. We can focus on God or we can focus on our circumstances. If you're making a climb, you know that your breath gets short and your knees kind of start getting tired and you get a little weary. And sometimes it's hard to read the path and know exactly, am I I on target? And we can focus on God or we can focus on our circumstances the scenery and the circumstances of life change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. I thought as Jessie chose the songs for tonight, she did the song Jesus at the Center. And the day before she sent that list to me, God had reminded me of the time that I learned that song for the very first time. It was Calculating. It was some years back there. <laughs> and it was at a time when my knees were tired. I was feeling not so strong and brave, but a little weak. And like I was in a desert and needed some help and something to hold on to. And God said to me at that time in my life, sing. Sing. I said, sing. What what do you mean sing? And he said, keep singing. And that's what he said to me for not a day or a week or a few months, but a couple of years. What do you want me to do, God? What do I what do I need to do? Where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to sing? (laughs) Okay. What I didn't understand then that I see very clearly now is that God was teaching me to take my eyes off of my circumstances and the stuff around me that was making life difficult and focus on Him. And it made the journey completely different when that was my focus instead of this stuff. He taught me songs of ascent when I didn't even understand what they were or what the purpose was. And he'll let us choose our own path if we want to. But he has a better way and a higher way if we will trust him and walk on his path instead of our own. We can forge our own path and our own understanding Proverbs three five and six, or we can acknowledge him in his ways and let him direct our paths. Matthew seven fourteen says, "Enter through the narrow gate." When we're thinking about our trek up Mount Everest, I'm saying, "Walk on the narrow path." That's the safer place. That's where the needs are met and already covered for that you don't even know to expect. For God says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are those who choose it. But small is the gate, small is the path, and narrow is the road that leads to life. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. Songs of Ascent. Songs that change our focus from here to there. Shine, that's, that's the rise. Now we're gonna shine, shine. Shine means give out a bright light, radiate, glow, glisten, sparkle. The kids will like that word, sparkle, they love. What what kid doesn't like glitter, jewelry, jewels, everything? Sparkly, shine. I still like it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Light dispels darkness. Genesis 1 1 through 3, you're familiar with. We know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. And he said it was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Psalms 148 again recounts what God has done. Like I mentioned in the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 148, 3 through 6 says, Praise Him, sun and moon, praise Him, all ye shining stars, praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. In other words, he, gave, he created them, and then he gave them boundaries. And he said, you go here, and you're here. And you will appear at this time, and then you will go. And you will appear at this time, and you will go. And it stands, and it will stand through eternity until God speaks another word. Darkness trembled at his name then. But here's what we sometimes forget. It still does. And there has been a lot of conversation and talk about the darkness in our culture, in our nation, our country, in the world. And our pastor, Jacob Sheriff, said something that was really profound to me Sunday in his sermon. He said, these are not not dark times. These are divine times. Divine appointments for the Lord to shine and to show forth his majesty and his glory. It reminds me of that song that we sing. You can light it up. Lord, you can light it up. God of revival. So in Psalm 132 where we read about the conversation between David and God, in verse 17, God says, I read this, I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. In 1 Kings 1136, God that's where this verse came from because God says David my servant will always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem what does that mean the burning or the extinguishing of a lamp had to do with either the flourishing or the ceasing of a literal life and so for God to tell David you will have a lamp burning always before me in Jerusalem he was telling him your lineage is going to continue. Your family will not be snuffed out. The light of David's house will not go out. It will continue on into generations to come. God promises David this. And we see this, like I said, because uh, Solomon became the next king. But if you go generation to generation to generation, all the way down to where the New Testament begins, you see some of the very first words in Matthew in the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus is called the son of David. So the light that God created when he separated the darkness and told it to go over here is the same light that through David's family and lineage he brought his only son, to the world to our darkness with lights in his eyes full of mercy and kindness and grace in the form of a baby and offered his light to each one of us that we can carry it the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and Jesus said in John 8:12 I am the light I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His continued blessing, his continued covenant that he gave to David. Jesus is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He carries us with his light. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light. God created the light. He brought the light through all of the ancestry, generations from Abraham on through to David. He carried that light of David's household all the way through hundreds of years to the birth of Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He dies for our sins. We can all be reconciled to the Father and now we carry his light. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Rather, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men we are his royal daughters our lamps burn because he lives within us we proclaim the flourishing and continuation of God's family through eternity because of the light that we carry within us we are his priests and we are clothed with salvation just like David requested and, and God responded with, yes, I clothe you with salvation and righteousness. So God, in his great love, says, ladies, rise, rise in me and with me and through me and shine. Let me shine in you and let me shine forth so that like a city on a hill the world can see who i am and be drawn to the light because light dispels darkness it separates and moves darkness one candle in a room provides light three candles in a room provides more illumination A room full of candles, a room full of lights, touches untold numbers. So, if we're going to rise and shine, I have a few questions to ask you. Just in closing, as we go into prayer time, I want to ask you these questions. Where do you find yourself in the ascent (coughs) toward God? Is your lamp burning? Are you clothed with salvation? Remember that Jesus paid for that and it's covered and it's available to you today, right now, free. And all you have to do is ask and accept that gift. He wants to give that to you. Is your lamp burning? If your lamp is burning, and you're on that journey, are you partnering with the Holy Spirit? The one who was given to us as a deposit for what is to come. The one who is sent to lead us and to guide us and comfort us on our journey. And the last question I have is, is it time to raise your length to a new level, past your place of comfort here to here. Is there a yes in you to whatever it is that God is stirring and calling and beckoning? Come, come. Is there a yes for that today? Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram.